podcast. All right, everyone. Here we are. We're back. Episode 74, Culture Shockers. We're joined today by Avery. Co-host is here. IJ, the co-host. We're here with Malcolm. Malcolm, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. And we're also introducing a new character. No, no, I'm kidding. Not a new character. A very popular and famous person, friend to the show. Sarah, the Hasidic hipster, is here. Sarah, welcome. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me. The people are clapping. They're clapping in the background. We actually have, you know, a clapper. Anyway, we're going to discuss these culture shockers that, you know, people kind of run into in Shidduchim, in Shidduch dating. They're just these random idiosyncrasies and minhagim and cultures that people hold on to. The, the best analogy or parallel or just depiction here is like, go watch big, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, literally. Watch that yeah. show and you're going to like totally understand how this could happen to you. Mm-hmm. They're very real in Shaduchim. There are so many different kinds of these min hugs or these even rituals that families have. And we're going we're gonna to talk about here how to get through them, right? Avery, what's your favorite, you know, uh, culture shocker? What's your favorite one? The breasts. Avery. The breasts. The breasts. It's a start. It's <laughs> very, it's overwhelming. <laughs> what about the breasts? <laughs> it's just a big, big controversial take. Many people don't like it. I am all for it. It's health. It's beneficial to health. <laughs> is there it are now? bagels and I didn't know brisses were like a, such yeah. a shit thing. Like it really, like it's a requirement. Oh now. yeah, nobody wants to know who your Moel was. <laughs> Pesach crone word, people. Now that you know, he did me. He did me also. Did he? Did he? Hey, did he do you? Nah, I was in Chicago. Oh my! God. I'm gonna have to change God. my resume now. <laughs> you put that on the resume. No. What what are culture shockers? What are we so that's a, referring to here? Culture shockers are these boundaries or these, like I said, minhagim that come off very odd and strange to you know someone that maybe you're dating or someone from just a different culture. That happens a lot. You know, you're you're trying to bring someone into your community, trying to bring someone into your family. Or you're mm-hmm. going into someone else's community and family. You're Shadok Dani, you're getting to know each other, <coughs> whether it's two weeks, whether it's two months, whether it's a year. And like Can I these, jump in? you know, these ran the, yeah, Sarah, go ahead. Can you? Yeah. So I actually could see how the brisk could be a culture shock. Like the first thing that pops up to my mind is that in certain circles, like people actually care who the moho was, depending on like, his level of observance in Judaism. Like, of course, those are like the, more you know more stringent circles but it's actually a thing that i bet you guys didn't know i never heard of that before i hear yeah. that I hear, yeah. i've i've heard of it i put yeah. so i put it on the list and that's why i have the best mole in the entire seven kingdoms i have heard i have heard that there is there are cases where people have asked rabbis and they've told them that they need a new brisk they need to cut off some more foreskin wow no way that's crazy Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> not, yeah. with the, not with the collar. Or just to, like Hatafistan, which is just like scraping it, which is like what converts do if they're, if they're already, if a non-Jew is already circumcised, then they convert to Judaism and they're already circumcised. They'll just like irritate the area a little. Some people will do that. Yeah, I heard, I heard that's, that's been done. Like, like someone was, wasn't Noah born with an, 
aura? Like, it's, it was there? Was there any circumstance? Moshe Rabbeinu? One that of one was. Which one? Who? I, I'm not sure who, but definitely like one of our ancestors were. Yeah. I think I think Moshe was. I'm Yashka, t- Yashka. He's not really related. Okay, fine, but let's get Wait, more. Guys, can you talk about bro cuddling for a minute. Because yes. Yes. Wow, this is a, yes. we're really starting on brisses and bro cuddling. Bro cuddling. <laughs> Remember, yeah, this, is a, this is a male-female dating is, was podcast. Was bro cuddling on the list? Remember. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is on the list. I'll tell you why it's so I, awkward. Well, I'm married now, thank God. But when I was dating, first of all, I dated a lot of people, and it was a very challenging time for me. But I remember dating this guy who openly told me that he, that he was okay cuddling his best friend. I was just a little weirded out just because... I was like, listen, I have no problem if you want to be with your best friend, but kind of like, shoot, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about bro cuddling because you guys are guys <laughs> from a girl perspective. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> a, cu- I'm not a cuddler so- only when it's Avery. You know, we can cu- Avery, do we cuddle? When I'm lonely. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no way. God I am not a cuddler. I hate that garbage. And but Sarah, I'm telling you, like, what would? What that, would no, that was real. On. That was real. In yeshiva, well, yeah. these guys would get together and cuddle. Oh, it was disgusting. I when to I was throw up. when I was, I went to yeshiva high school, and there was a dormitory. So during every break, during lunch break, during class, a lot of the time <laughs> we would hang out in the dorms, and there were mattresses, there were beds because there were dormers, and people would often cuddle. It was a pretty common thing, and I. Personally, I wasn't so comfortable with it, but I did give in to peer pressure a couple of times. What? Oh, my God. Okay. Leave. Listen, wow. I, I feel like it's not so bad, like, during that time. But if you're actively dating someone, it's a little weird. You shouldn't right. tell them on date number one. No, that's certainly something. You well, we're representing, <laughs> Sarah, a lot of... Sarah? Yeah, Sarah. I see the Kipster. I don't know how to call it. You know, yeah, obviously. Sarah, Kipster. you got it. You're a woman of, of valor with many names. She was exactly. on the Women of Valor podcast. Oh, yeah? And I'm sure... I don't know. Where are you? I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. And yeah. I'm sure you use those names to collect the many stimulus checks that have been going out for the last years, as we did, too, which is Avery okay plays because the, we're Jewish. Uh, you know, I'm kidding. Angry little uh, Jewish man role. No, but what was I saying? The little Jewish man. You're, you're saying we're uh, get, something about cuddling. Cuddling. Now, we're, let's get back into culture differences. Cuddling. Let's not talk about men, because that'll make me have nightmares tonight. <laughs> will disrupt my sleep patterns. But let's talk about even with families, right? There's a big difference. Yeah. A, ga- a, a gap within hugging. the Sephardic yeah. community, how touchy they are. Are they even touchy? Are they cold, right? The Ashkenazim generally, Germans, German Ashkenaz types, right? The Western world right. is a little bit less cuddly, less yeah. touchy-feely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Americans are very yeah. touchy, very well, into showing emotion. I think statistically there's been research on Americans generally when you're talking to somebody socially you stand two feet apart Americans whereas Israelis stand one foot apart. Oh wow I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah and in regards to the Sparty families I feel like there are some cold Sparty families that still do the touching and the kissing on the cheeks but they're cold about it. Right. So it's a funny bit. Because you you and that's that is a massive culture shocker because imagine you know, like, for example, my background, you know, my my immediate family, you know, we love each other, but like no touchy, no huggy, no kissy, no feeling, nothing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like at least years ago with, you know, my, you know, for example, just grandparents or like those that generation or my uncles and aunts, like we hug them, we kiss them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have some family that's overseas and they're more like they're european 
You know, right. they're Europe. They're European. I'm not going to specifically say where, but like just in like Belgium or, or, or just certain Sephardim, there's, you know, you kiss a man, a man can kiss another man. Like I never really, it never, these, these things never really hit me until I was watching The Sopranos on HBO. And I started seeing that like Italian men kissed each other. And I noticed that I was like, oh, you know, when I grew up where I was from, like, you know, Italian men kissed each other. Like, that was a big thing, you know, on the cheek, not on the lips, obviously. Your rabbi did not kiss you in third right. grade either? <laughs> my, my, I, well, my sixth grade rabbi gave me a kiss, you know, like it was, yeah. uh, it was like a lovable, like, oh, like, you know, he really made, he wanted the best for me. Rabbi Epstein. You're <laughs> <laughs> Right. So I do think there's a distinction when there's a cultural, when there's a cultural component attached to it, meaning... You know, whether it's your French or Italian, like it's very normal to greet someone with a mm-hmm. kiss on each cheek. But, you know, if it's an American trying to get in on that, then, you know, you know where it's coming from. So, right, right. I mean, it, it, well, that, plays a big role. that's the thing in the West. It's like more of a sexual, you know, yichus problem, a yichud problem. You know that yeah. you, like when you're when you're trying to just kiss someone, it, it's very it's it's interesting. I think most yeah. cave. I think most cave. Like the the people who have come to, into my world, or at least maybe my friends who married into those families, like they would like they they have to kiss. You know the ki- a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. You know you know women. You know two men do this a lot. But also, like women do this. Also, women like will kiss each other on the cheek, and you know some in some homes. Like there were some girls I would date that like we got to a point where maybe we we're going to a simpler or where we we're seeing each other, you know, and you know, like she would, she was like, Oh, by the way, like I don't kiss, you know, when I meet like some women, like, well, they see each other, they'll meet and they'll just like kiss each other on the cheek or, or they'll know each other. They'll kiss each other, you know, like a, a cheek kiss, right. like cheek to cheek. So this is also right. something that's very unique to the Malcolm. You're from the Midwest. Did they do this over there? What's, we, I there? had an experience in the Midwest. We, my family was once invited to someone Friday night and I, I, I think, <laughs> I think they were kind of maybe conservative Jews, but they, they had this custom. I don't know if you could call it a minhag, but they, during while they sang Shalom Aleichem Friday night, everybody at the table held hands and my, <laughs> my, like my family, like I have only brothers. I don't have any sisters. We're very not like touchy feely, emotional type of a family. So to us, this was yeah. always like a pretty interesting thing that uh, we, mm-hmm. we would discuss afterwards who we had to hold hands with. <laughs> that is interesting. Wow. Yeah. So, sounds like something Yona Laster, uh, one of our associate producers, would love to, to do. Oh, uh, yeah. Avery, so, yeah. book, a, so book would, a trip with him. Him, I'll invite Bill Cosby down. <laughs> who else should we have? What other people that would like to hold hands with? At least it's hands. Well, by the way, I just say in the in the you know in the in the from community and and you know obviously like we're all from Orthodox here, but like basically more I'd say Flatbush Borough Park. How dare you? You know, women don't kiss. Yes. You know, men don't. No, no one touches anybody. Oh, I, like uh, you save everything for under no, the chuppah uh, or the uh, the yichud room. Not necessarily. Uh, I don't think so. I think some disagree. people still do kiss in Borough Park. They do. Meaning they do. like the cultural kiss. The cultural from Europe also. Right, Sarah, at the wedding. Like people have like men and women. Yeah. Men and men and women and women. Men to men, women to women. But oh. I have not seen though I remember my parents at my brother's <laughs> wedding were beyond freaked out, of course, because they and their makatanim after the chuppah, after the they were whatever, they broke the glass and everything. My brother's in laws came over to my parents to give them hugs and kisses. 
Oh yeah. And they're more modern than my parents are. At this point, they're almost the same, but and my mom was like freaked out, like, oh my God. Uh, the, 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 Mr. the father went yeah, to give her a kiss. Mr. Stein gave hug. me a kiss. Least a hug. I don't know. My dad was like, Oh, this is the best, you know. And <laughs> my mom was like, oh, hey, I was at that wedding. Freaking out. And you know, his mother in law I I couldn't wait for my kiss, but it's that <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness. Yeah, that, that but okay, thing. that I love Avery, you you hit like such a topic right here. Yeah. That's such a huge thing. Like that, I feel, I don't know. Is that discussed? I mean, Sarah, you're married. Like, is that something you discussed with your husband? Like when, you know, maybe you were like the wedding was approaching, like, by the way, do your parents like, do they kiss, you know, a hug, forget the kiss. Do they hug, you know, like the opposite sex of the, of the other family? Yeah, for me, for me, we're both party. We're actually both Moroccan. So there's a lot of touchy feel, a lot of warmth, a, a lot of yelling, excitement, commotion. Like there's just a lot of hype around everything. So mm. we definitely discussed it. And to go even further, I was actually born and raised in France. Thank God I don't Whoa. have an accent, but my family's like ultra, ultra French. And I remember I still have uh. friends that are there and I chat with them and we talk about these cultural differences. And I have a friend who's dating someone right now, and a hug is super sexual in France, like much more than a kiss on the cheek, of course, because mm, a kiss so the cheek on the cheek Booking is a regular greeting. Booking tickets to there. Paris right now. Is it is it <laughs> in the Orthodox Jewish community in France? Is it common that male and female adults will will hug and kiss? Yes, it's common. Interesting. Bonjour. Yeah. Bonjour. And it's not. Yeah, bonjour. Yeah, it's, it's not done in a sexual way. It's just the cultural greeting. That's right. it. Right. No, it's a right. It's a cultural greeting. Yeah. Look, well, like, well, look at Macron and his wife. Right. Macron is how old? Forty something. The cultures are so different. And his wife is like seventy. Seventy. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. normal. Here, it's like a. And, and what is she like? She was his college professor. Or He's something? the man. That's so, what he is. He's the man. Yeah, I mean, it's not so normal there either. But I guess <laughs> it's really happy that he's the president. They were they were in love. It's 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 a beautiful tale, you know. Okay, it is what it is. I'm just saying yeah. it's not something that we do. Like the the greatest age. I think we spoke about this one episode. Like the greatest age difference between. I think we was like 11 years between like an older girl and a younger guy. Like, or meaning like the guy older. the guy wasn't even that young, but. Remember, it was like some okay. someone in like one of these camps, so that was that was that. But yeah, but Macron wins. Macron wins. Omelet du fromage. Yeah. Let's fromage. look. I know all you you know perverts over here. Not you, Sarah. You're wonderful. You're our guest. But these two perverts here, they love talking about kissing and hugging and touching. Let's let's bring it. Let's bring it. Let's bring it to something more modest and something more yeah. sneeze, You know. I was actually going to bring up shatels if that's cool. Yes. Because I remember not at all discussing that when I was dating, and I totally should have discussed Whoa. it because there was oh unspoken God. rule that once married, I would for sure cover my hair. That was coming from my husband. And for me, I would for sure take it upon myself gradually. And he grew up more embedded in the Chabad system, and I grew up much more Moroccan than Chabad. I'm a blend now, but I would say... You know, I'm still primarily Moroccan, which Moroccan women, for the most part, you know, in the mainstream Orthodox world, they're very lenient with hair covering. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought I would take my time. So it's just interesting things that we skip over when dating and things that we bring up. I think it's so important to put so many things on the table, you know, during Shadokham. And 
nobody talks to meaning nobody talks about these things. Yeah, you it. get it. Yeah. Oh, she's got she yeah. she gets it. Hair covering is a good topic because I've heard that I've heard people make the argument that it's the woman's mitzvah, so the men shouldn't really care about it. And I know yeah. that many don't like Rev Moshe Feinstein's wife didn't cover her hair. No way. Rev Salvechik's wife didn't cover her no hair. No way. Yeah. It's good. These guys are holier than my, also, my neighbors. Uh, Sprinza and Flintza. Yeah. She smoked a pack a day. She had tattoos. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because <laughs> she had to cover her hair. She was a guy. You know, no, uh, she was a guy, yeah. right? Oh, no, sure. hello. First of all, Malcolm, I never realized that. And uh, Sarah, hello. That's for sure. That's such a big thing because I can tell you, like, I was dating girls, you know, even recently. Something just happened recently. The girl's like sending me a picture of a techo. Like, this is a joke. You know, we were like, we were like seeing each other. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, we have to have a conversation. I'm like, I'm not a techo guy, you know? <laughs> and like, we all of a sudden yeah. like went into this, this, this discussion uh, more than that. Mm-hmm. And we're like going back and we're pontificating on like, and I was like, wow, I am not prepared for this. Like, this is a culture shocker for me. Like, I really. Yeah. I really like what is going through your mind. Yeah. You know, what, it's a lot. My question is, it's do, a lot. do you think that from a man's perspective, if, if a man wants his wife to cover her hair, is it that he wants his daughters to have an example of someone who's observing the mitzvah of covering her hair? Or is it more of an ego thing that he wants people to think that he married a from girl? And so he's like cool enough. <laughs> ego thing for me. <laughs> Good I really think it depends who the person is. And I think it needs to be discussed both with the husband and the wife, the man and the woman. <laughs> they need to. Well, how should that conversation go? I mean, I would open up the conversation. You know, I've had two maybe of this. You know, I'm not married, never been. But, I, you know, I have opened up saying no matter how from or modern the girl is. And I would say, look, I want to live in the from community. I want to be an affluent member. I want my kids to you know, enjoy the community. Like if, mm-hmm. if we stay in town in like, you know, a community that kind of expects it, I want you to have one. You don't have to wear it, but I want you to have one. If we're mm-hmm. out of town, if we're going to go somewhere where it's just very not conventional or it's just not, or, you know, it's, it's more of an option. I'm like, then, mm-hmm. then you, you could do whatever you want. But I feel like it's good to just follow the derech of the community that you're going to be in primarily so you kind of just don't set anything off, but also at the same time, like, you know, you have, you have to follow some kind of derech. doesn't mean that that has to be you 24 right. hours, but if you're going to like right. take your kids, like I don't have any kids, but if you're going to bring your kid, if you're auditioning your kids to go to, to preschool or, or yeshiva or whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever it's called today, you know, you're going to yeah, go that's- in a suit, you know, that's just how it's going yeah. to be. Yeah, that's when it becomes a problem, really, when people have kids and then the kids have to be in certain schools. But for the most part, if you want your kids in a certain school, it's because you're, you're, you yourself are, are holding at a certain standard. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that that standard is already aligned with you. And if it's not aligned, then take your kids out and put them in a different school or move up your standard, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. But I think it's important, just what you said about wearing or having the facial or covering your hair when you're within the community and then not covering when you're without, I think it's important to understand why we're doing what we're doing and what the intention behind our actions are. Like, are we covering our hair or whatever mitzvah it is? Are we doing it for the sake of the community, for the sake of fitting in and belonging or being accepted? Or are we doing it because we actually crave a connection? We crave to connect to 
our infinite selves. We crave to connect to God. You know, what, mm-hmm. like, what are we really doing it for? And I think that's also important to ask, you know, when, when dating, it's just important to understand what the intentions are behind every question, every cultural shocker that's brought about. Why is it a shock? You know, where's the person coming from? And those questions are super important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and all, you know, it's it's how you ask it, how you guide it. I mean, you tell me, Sarah, like, is is the sh- is the is like sneeze? Because that's something, obviously. Like, I'm a guy. I would just say, hey, it's not something I'm too understanding of. You know, like, yeah. But is that like yeah, something so, that really? Yeah, tell me. It's so funny that we're talking about this because it's like the most triggering mitzvah for me because it's one of the hardest mitzvahs I'm for me sorry, to keep. I do not I, know. I, I no, it's all know, good. I'm I didn't plan anything. <laughs> I don't know who this is going to hit, and hopefully this inspires, you know, the listeners out there. I mean, that's um, good. That's that's exactly yeah. what we want. Hair covering for me is super hard, especially because, well, number one, I hate tickles. They make me feel like you I am a grandmother. Yeah, like yeah. they age like 20 years, like, and they completely remove my entire look. Like a girl, a woman is supposed to have hair. Hair is part of her identity, yes, her self-expression, and so covering my hair with more hair, I guess it's kind of like, it's okay, but I wish it was my own hair. But a shato is a nice compromise, I guess. Thank God. I would never, I just, I wouldn't wear a chuckle outside. It's just not, it's just not something I would do. Maybe a baseball cap, you know, but not a chuckle. So now that we have the hair, it's like this whole other question of what the heck <laughs> is the point of covering my hair with hair? Like, come on. Like, if, yeah. if it looks it's like, what am I doing it for? And after I did a lot of research on this, yeah, like I realized, okay, I'm not doing it for other people because other people could assume that it's my hair. I'm actually doing it for, for God. Like it's literally a personal mitzvah. I don't even do it because, oh, I'm, I'm married and it's for other men not to see my hair. I don't do it for that reason. It has nothing to do with sneeze for me. It has to do with the Kabbalistic concept that at the chuppah, at the marriage ceremony, there is an energy that the bride gets once the groom goes around for seven times. And this energy stays with her forever as a married woman. And by covering, she contains the energy. Mm, so that was my favorite explanation I love that. that I've learned about it. And that's what fits with me. But please, let me just tell you that it's a B-I-T-C-H. Yeah, it's <laughs> hello. It's such a struggle, and yeah, like I think, I think, I'm, I yeah. think, oh, so many. Yeah, I, I, I think we're gonna start seeing girls really calming it down because I can't tell the difference, and you know, I know where like like where the some of the girls I've dated stand, and it it is so it, it, it's let's just put it this way: it's a very polar, it's, it's very polarizing thing, you know. Yeah, um, Malcolm, you said you, yeah. I don't know. Just for some reason, what comes to mind is there was some research done about the there were the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company. They used to have their radio show hosts wear three piece suits, and they required it when they would come in to record their the radio show. <laughs> and so, like, you could obviously ask why would is why is it nobody's looking at them? They're just listening to them. You know. <laughs> so the concept is that the clothes that you wear affect your insides. And so they thought that you know if people are wearing three three piece suits, they're gonna uh, they're gonna sound better. So it, I don't know what you what, what you said reminded me of that concept because even though like from an outside perspective, a lot of times shaytels look better than the woman's actual hair. And mm. so you could ar- make that argument that what's the point of it? But I guess at the same time, the woman herself is aware that she's doing something special. And so it's affecting her just outlook on 
how people are looking at her and how she's perceived and how she thinks she's perceived. Mm -hmm. So it has an effect in that way. To the other extreme, if we really care so much about modesty and not being seen, we would just dress up in burkas. You know, like, <laughs> what's the difference Bye. between that and what we do nowadays? We've already modernized what modesty is. Right in Europe, people didn't wear shaitals. And then it just became tradition over time for whatever reason, because we really needed to differentiate between the Americans because we are so fearful over being assimilated into the secular world that we made so certain that we look different that we created our own little businesses and industries that we can sell products that promote our from kite, such as shaitals, such as white shirts and black pants. Like these weren't necessarily garb that we wore. And, uh, you know, we've sort of industrialized the many institutions yes. of yes. from Judaism. Why? We, by the way, unfortunately. That, you hit, you hit the, the hammer on the nail right there. Like everything's just becoming industrialized, you know, that I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, you know, it's not necessarily bad. What I'm hearing you say is that mm -hmm. we're using all the physical things around us and actually elevating them. It's a very positive thing to take all these things uh, that we have. That. I mean, I, we're picking and choosing. I'm not saying that I'm we are using physical things, no. but we're picking and choosing. Like if we really did care about honesty, like I said before, we do, we do burkas. <laughs> You know, if we really wanted to look men wouldn't very wear very different, suits. we weren't. We wouldn't wear it. Why we wouldn't dress up like the non-Jews do in our shuls? We wouldn't. So, well, we do really care about modesty, but not the way the Muslims do, the way the Jews do. And God still wants us to have our individuality. With burqas, it's very hard to depict individuality. Here, we have the opportunity to express ourselves with colors and shapes and fabrics and textures still within the realm of halakhic guidelines. Right. I, I mean, I guess we're getting to like a, a modesty, it's nearest, you know, argument or debate. Or, yeah. By the way, which, I don't, I don't know if yeah. the point of hair covering is necessarily, I don't think the reason for that mitzvah no. is modesty. It's not. Uh, no. It, what is that? It's, oh, okay. The explanation that I heard is that it's, mm -hmm. is that hair is very, well, I mean, you know, like at least historically and, and probably is probably maybe may not be as applicable to the society that we're living in today. But historically, you know, like genders were somewhat separate. And, you know, so once a couple got married and so a woman realized her power, basically the women have a lot of power over men and a woman doesn't fully they do. And a woman doesn't fully realize that the level of power that women <laughs> yield or wield, I don't know how mm -hmm. to write English, until they get Real, married and the, and they realize like how the, like how incredible that sexual act has yeah uh, you know yeah, influence that that has yeah, on the man and yeah. and like by nature and by extension on men in general and so once one realizes that so then you know after she's married then the mitzvah kicks into like whoa I'm just gonna challenge I'm just gonna channel this power and I'm not gonna take advantage of it I'm going and like hair is something which is particularly attractive and so therefore. It's like, uh, you know, covering it is a statement of subjugation of power, not in, not in like an anti-feminist way per se, but just in a way of like allegiance to your husband, I guess. Hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know. Or to yourself even. To yourself too. Yeah. I love this hair conversation, but I, I do want to move to something a little bit less, uh, less vulgar or, or uh, you know, let, let's, let's head over to something a little bit more, Tzniyas, than even that. 
So I wanted to tell you this one time I was in Eric Tisrael. I can't remember the specific details, but we ended up, we were assigned every few weeks, we were assigned places to go for Shabbos. So they would mm-hmm. say, you know, this week you're going to go to this couple. And, and the couples knew that the places we'd go, people know, because, you know, the yeshiva, I went to TJ and OJ, but this was for TJ. They knew, you know, where, like, they knew who, who they signed up. They, they had, you know, concurrently done hosting for, for the yeshiva. So anyway, I get to one of these, I can't remember the place. I, I want to say it was in Netanyahu. Uh, Netanya, Netanya, I'm been like BB Netanyahu. It's been so long. Netanya, yeah. I think I think that's where it was. I can't really. I'd have to ask the person, you know, who 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 I went with. So anyway, we're there for Shabbos, and like we get dressed, and we they didn't actually. We went to shul, I think, and we came back, and all of a sudden, like when we came back, we're ready to eat at the Shabbos table, and the family was there, the men. Was a, I mean, I think it was a Sephardic family. I don't know. but And they were all in their pajamas. They were literally in their underwear. They were all in their underwear, their boxer briefs. And this was the Shabbos meal. This is how we ate the Shabbos meal. And they told me, you must, you know, change, whatever. So we kind of dressed a little bit more down. But this was a custom of the family. This was a major culture shocker. I have trauma from it till, to, to this day. You know, been checked into therapy, but this is also. I has any of this ha- ever happened to any of you of you people, or no. is this just one of my never like you know random conquests that I've been on? Pajamas, no, no, nope. I, yeah. I almost feel like they prank you. <laughs> okay, that's possible. That is very possible. But I, I swear, I thought like everyone in this neighborhood did it. Like you know, so that was very intriguing. I have to tell you, and was, wow. was certainly you know certainly something big. Let me let me tell you though, because I while I was at this you know house, I did notice one thing that the men were wearing like very nice jewelry, and that's something that. You know, I think I could speak a lot because I wear jewelry. I have the man cuff, a man bracelet. You know, I have a mug and David a dome necklace. And, you know, I could, you know, during my yeshiva days, I would not wear these things. At least in yeshiva, I wear them like at home or maybe I wear them under my shirt. But that is like not such a popular thing in, in, in certain areas, like certain Jewish communities where it, men wearing jewelry is like totally acceptable family emblems it's a family emblem basically like that's the family stone the crescent but like in some and most other from communities it's like absolutely not it's a guyish thing it's it's sexual it's dirty it's 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 you're you're a you're a you're a kaifer you know you tell us sarah what, what do you think about men wearing jewelry once again i really think it depends on the background that you're from Moroccans. What, so are, the, what like, are the French Moroccans do? Yeah, so I'm like a really <laughs> blended background because I'm French Moroccan, but I'm also like a bit of Chabad. And in French Moroccan culture, the men definitely wear jewelry. They proudly wear their red- wedding right? rings. Yeah. Yeah. But in Chabad, Nothing. the men don't wear any jewelry, like any. And I have this argument with my husband all the time because I want him to wear wedding his wedding ring. Yeah. Yeah, the wedding band. And it's so frustrating because of where I come from and how it's like a must, like both the man and the woman should wear the wedding band. But in Chabad, it's viewed as jewelry, which is viewed as baguette shah, which is basically, you know, not permitted for them. Like that's how they, like, that's how they interpret wearing jewelry. 
So it's interesting because there is jewelry that's specifically designed for men. So that shouldn't mm-hmm. be a problem. Right. It's specific. And, it, and it's not like it just re- re- recently happened. Like the Cohen Gundel would wear the, uh, the ring of, you know, the, the stamp or whatever. It was some kind of like crescent to seal, you know, mm-hmm. letters and things like that. Like it has existed. You know, it, sure. it's something I enjoy doing. It's something I like doing. Certainly, I think a lot of Shidduch daters are a little shocked, even 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 people in the, in the community. You know, like where I grew up in the Bronx, Palm Parkway, it was like very popular. Everyone wore, you know, what was your family sign- signature? That was like, you know, your ring mm-hmm. or your 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 Magen David <laughs> necklace, right? How mm-hmm. how about in how about in the how about in the Midwest, Malk? Midwest. I would say it's more common that people wear ch- a lot of people wear chains for sure in the community right. where I grew up. I know. Popular, popular over there. And and Avery, how about in Shidahoist? You, <laughs> you were a guy. You were a guy. There's you only are. one person in this neighborhood that wears it, and people are like, "What the hell is with this guy?" Really? <laughs> sitting on my table. <laughs> Nobody understands. No, no. Yeah, it's so uncommon here. Like, I'll go to shul. I'll go to like I'll stop by a shul, Davim, and, and like people will be like, "Oh, you're wearing." You know, you know the necklace. You know, like, what are you wearing a necklace for? What are you? What are you a woman? And I'm like, look, I don't even know you. We're we're in a conversation right now, like I, you know, yeah. and st- yeah, yeah. I'm like, you wear a watch. A watch is like, a watch is similar. A watch is similar. No, I feel like it is yes, similarity. It's, it's similar, but because it serves a purpose more than jewelry, it's permitted. Like that's what I was saying. Like that's the argument. I hear that. I think it's discussed in the Shulchan Aruch. Like, I think, the, if I'm not mistaken, the Ramah talks about jewelry that's mm. like unisex that both men and women would wear. And he says, if I'm not, I have to look it up. But I think he says that it's like that's permitted. It's like it's allowed. It's not like mitzvah or anything, but it's allowed. Well, you know, originally blackberries, women, just women used to use blackberries. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I was just going to think about, you know, like, that's why, you know, we, 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 we issued them or we, you know, it does seem like it's a more Sephardic thing than Ashkenazic to wear jewelry. Let, let's jump to something. Funny. I thought there was something you know, about, you know, what's and, interesting. Yeah. Like how, how men and women both wore jewelry back then, but only now men wear pants and women, you know, still have to wear skirts in the orthodox world and just interesting like how do we know when to adapt to what like we used to wear robes in the desert we all wore robes we all covered our hair you know with like a bed sheet style way like a bedouin way like there were no wigs like things changed so drastically but how do we know what to take on and what to leave back yeah so mm-hmm. interesting that's a great question i heard there was a story where the where the stipler you know, who I think died in the 1980s, but he approached the Chazanish, who I think he died in the 19, what did he die in the 1950s? So they were like the two Gedolim in B'nai Brak in Israel <coughs> in the 1950s. And I think the Stipler, they were brothers-in-law and they were two of the oh, greatest yeah. rabbis. So the Stipler once approached the Chazanish and he thought, and he said to him that I think women should be allowed to wear pants nowadays because part of Tznias is decided by the societal norms. And the Chazanish said, yeah. I, I think it's Yaharik Vel Yavor. I think it's like, it's, a, it's like the worst sin. So, like, you know, but the Chazanish was known to, know, use, to use that term Whoop. exaggerated. So I don't think he meant it literally, but <laughs> the infamous, there is uh, definitely something to Sneas being decided by speak, society. Speaking of the Stipler, right? Was he, was it he who cursed the Kennedys or something like that? I think, right. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, right. Right. JFK is the one who took off the hat, which was 
part of the, the the decadence of society, right? When he took off his hat and the Jewish community kept their hats on, right? This was, you know, obviously told to us as kids that we are better because we kept our hats on and JFK didn't. And that's why he <coughs> obviously perished in the way he did now. But, uh, well, yeah. well Stay I, away I thought it was like because it, uh, it was a football league. Like, it was a football game and it was like Tisha B'Av or Yom Kippur. And, yeah. and, they, and the Jews went to go watch the, the game. That's why. And one of these rabbis cursed, you know, this team, and then they got the Buffalo Bills. That was the cops. Uh, something like that. Cubs. I'm saying there no, was no, some no. They, kind of he cursed the Kennedys. They could tell I'll die young or something. Well, maybe he whole... cursed the Kennedys because they helped well, get the Jews that, to the no. game. You've heard that? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Somebody. Well, yeah. uh, speaking of hats, so black hats are tough for um, a major culture shocker. Hats. Like, let me tell you. Now it just happens uh-huh. to be that Malk is is from the mid. Is it okay if I tell people you're from the Midwest? Of right, I'll be from. I'm the from. Cats out of the bag. No, you're out of that. So I'll tell you that I have family in in Chicago and Skoka, and you have people there who are like the frumest, best Jews you've ever met. You know, I don't know about now. There's a lot of nursing home. I'm there. I mean, you know, machers over there. I was like, nursing home. I'm there. No machers over there. And they, uh, there's a different, there's, there's new Yiddish kind in that neighborhood. There's, there's just different hashkafas. It's very, very all over the place now. But back in the day, you know, you had the yeshiva, you had like this, you know, ubiquitous uniform system people would follow. And not all of them would wear black hats. Not all of them would. But in New York, it's like a statement. Like if you're going to be, quote unquote, if you're going to be from, you're going to have a black hat. Similar to like Rabbi Waller seems of blessed memory. You know, he was like, he would be like, I'm the cool rabbi without the beard. And yeah, he'd explained himself like, I, look, I didn't have a beard because, you know, he's a businessman and his father didn't have a beard. And, you know, so that is a culture shocker. Like the, like the black hat. I know, I know the Sarah and the Chabad community. I don't know what's what's what. How do they look at the black hat? Is I know, I know there's there's a, a Becca, a Becca show. What is it called? <laughs> oh, what is a cartel? Yeah, so it's it's hard for me to, I'll, I'll just share what I know because I, I grew up more French Moroccan than Chabad and I grew up with sisters and a younger brother so I didn't really experience the whole like mm. black hat, tzitzis, like all the men's mitzvahs but I do know that as soon as they're bar mitzvah a man starts to wear a black hat and they put on tefillin not only on themselves but they, you know, they do it on everybody that they see. They also make their own kiddush Starting at Bar Mitzvah in Chabad, a man is a man, and they take that very literally. And they prepare young because when Moroccans are three, they put on talisim already. Yeah, yeah. See, I have a Moroccan true. friend. Of a month, two Moroccan, actually three. I have three Moroccan friends. And nice. My ex is Moroccan. Oh wow. Okay, we'll have to chat about this off air. Oh yeah, I'm there. We're all there, everybody. I don't know. There's something you know. I'm just. I, I. I get the Moroccan people. Like we. We. You know. We lost. We're not in our country anymore. Here we are in America, and like we're trying to figure ourselves out. And like we love everybody. We don't hate. Like you know, we hate. We hate the schmucks out there. But like no one. Like we like everyone else. So I don't know. I feel like we have a lot in common, you know, me and the Sephardi, the, the Moroccan community especially. Yeah, I also feel like a lot of Sephardis today became Ashkenazified because now we're one generation yes. out of whatever country we're in. Yes, so, I agree. Yeah. Here, So here's, I know we, we have like a few left. We have a few more minutes. Asking, is this, is this still reality? I don't know. Asking the father permission to marry the daughter. Is this still something done? 
Anyone mm. can jump in on this. Or is it just on TV? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I don't think so. Um, do people, but like, I think still it do would that? be a nice thing to do. Like, I don't know if it's halakhically permitted. I, I don't know <laughs> enough to answer that, but I think it's just a nice gesture. So maybe both parents are saying. They ask both oh. parents. Oh, you're saying in that regard. I'm no, 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 both. No, just the father or both parents or just even asking in general. Yeah, do people even ask in general? I feel like we've become so independent. Also, we're dating at an older age nowadays. Right. So, you know, we're more independent and a lot of people even pay for their own weddings and really live their own independent lives. Yes, um, I yes. think it was definitely, yeah, so it depends on the relationship they have with their family. I hear, yeah, no, right, I hear that, yeah. right. What if they say no? What if the father says no? <laughs> what if the father, yeah, <laughs> and the girl says no? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll show up at their house anyway, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> yeah, if the father says no, it's, you know, it's, you know, when you don't get the parent's blessing, it's not the best to move forward. Well, people, well, people don't end up <laughs> yeah you're saying on the i was just talking about that no, well i'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you one thing i you know i actually went out with a girl recently and not like recently like like within the last year a follower of yours sarah follower of yours she's Ooh. she's a mini influencer and Ooh. I I was like gaga about this girl and a lot of good stuff, but she actually told me that like she wasn't. I wanted to discuss like marriage, you know, with her, like what it would be like. Avery's rolling his eyes, like he's heard this story a hundred times. This and like I tell you, the girl, she, her father couldn't get over the fact that I was eleven years younger than him. So for those reasons, they were both out. Mm. Shark Tank, they were both out. So that, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I hear it, but like, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. Shame on them. They're stupid. Yeah. I hate them. Uh, yeah. So age is something How, also, you know, age is something Yeah, age also. is definitely something, but like, age between thing. you and the girl, not between you and the father. Right. So I was like 10 years o- older than her and like 11 years old, older, younger than her father. So uh-huh. that's, that's where I kind of say, I was like, at least I'm younger. I'm younger than her. It's weird, because you're only 20. I mean, I'm so younger than him. I thought it, that was Because I was saying, I'm younger than him. I'm younger than him, you know? That mm-hmm. should be okay. What do you think is the cutoff for age? There's, the, love has no boundaries, you know? Uh, love. I, I, I would disagree with that. I would say 10 years is the cutoff. There That's you go. This girl opinion. was 10 years. Me and yeah. her were 10 years. Yeah, I just think that I don't think there's you should like rule something out ahead of time <laughs> because of age. I think you should probably give it a shot if it sounds like it could potentially work out. But like, you know, like on the like the question is, will you have enough to talk about? Because at the end of the day, you're going to you're not going to relate on pop culture references. If you're too far apart, you're not going to relate on like a lot of the things that you took and took advantage of. I don't know. I've dated people where I grew up watching Boy Meets World. You know that show? Boy? Oh, I love that show, boy. When it's Boy Meets World. <laughs> and people Corey don't know what Boy Meets World are anymore. It's not like a given. So. Is that Corey and Tobago? Right. Yeah. What did they have on French TV, Sarah? Or, or, or you said? Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, I also don't get all the cultural references because I'm from a different country. Mm, so. It's funny you that speak it's not such only good age, English. Like culture. I can't even imagine. When did you come to America, if you don't mind me asking? Thank you. When I was 10. Oh, so that's pretty, yeah. like, you know, that's pretty. Yeah, like 50, so I have, like, 50. my whole childhood. Like, all the 
nursery songs and like preschool songs. Like I don't know, like the Jewish ones and the non-Jewish ones are completely different, which is funny. It's funny because I was a preschool teacher a few years back and I had to learn them for myself and then teach them. That was interesting. Oh my God. That's funny. You had to learn them. I like that. That's funny. She had to learn the songs too. You, I, Wait, what songs? Like Itsy Itsy Bitsy Spider? What songs do you have to learn? Everything. Itsy Bitsy Spider, Uptown, Downtown, There's Kosher Food, Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Like all the basics. They don't have Hashem is there, Hashem is there in France. Well, they don't have it in French. They don't have have it in English, I mean. Allah's here and Allah's there. No? That's more of the French. No, they actually don't have it. At all. Yeah. I'm saying we have a different, like, different type of song that's does the same thing in different words but it's not the same song fascinating do they have any no they don't have it they don't have it it's very different mm. the america has a lot more <clears throat> what is the biggest difference Jewish yeah. in the creators community. and singers what's the biggest difference in the uh, the french community between the french community and the american community american from community the very big difference i would say is the mannerisms for the most part I find French people to be more reserved, more a little bit more to themselves and a little more closed. American people are more loose, more out there, Blunt. less tense, yeah, mm. and just more full of expression. Oh yeah, is dating yeah. in France? Have you? Well, you were ten, so I guess you have. You weren't really of dating age. But I did date French guys, like French French guys. From what's France, it like over there? French- oh, wow, what's it like? Yeah, so what's that like? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely, if you don't mind it was, asking. it felt, yeah, no, not at all. It's a part of it felt really familiar. So that felt really nice and grounding. But another part also felt alienating because I missed on the whole like teenage years, mm-hmm. you know, so I had the childhood similarity and familiarity. I was aware of so many things, but I also missed such a big gap that there are certain terminologies and like Sling lingo and just pop culture, like you were saying, that I missed out on. And the culture in general, like I said, like just people are more refined and just tense and to the point and they don't say what doesn't need to be said. And it's a different culture. It's more refined. Mm. And yeah. that it was it was hard for me. I, I know I have both in me, so I could I, I was able to relate and I definitely, you know, I've dated quite a couple of French guys and we've dated for like I would say a nice amount of time. But, but, but like, you know, it didn't, I mean, my husband happens to be, he speaks French, which is awesome, but he's born in the U S his parents are born in Morocco. So I really got a cool blend. Oh, that's awesome. Um, He speaks French. You you probably connected on that. That's what you connected on. He spoke for like, you know, he know a little bit of the culture. It sounds like, well, that's what we were discussing in our previous episode. We were talking about, you know, last episode was, history of Shidduchim and singles migrations. That was last episode where we, were, we had, an, and in that episode we were discussing this, this globalization, you know, that on top of technology and specifically, I mean, WhatsApp and Instagram, that has like really changed Shidduch dating or at least the relationship between a single and a Shadchan. You also now have this, you know, the, the globalization factor, you know, and the next door yeah. to you, the persons from Morocco, from France, from Israel, from China, mm-hmm. from Belgium, from Norway, from Kentucky. Yeah. And there, you can't, how, how are you supposed to find something? How are you supposed to find 
a connection with this person. Like you're not. It's just it, mm-hmm. it's it's just like going to be like in some ways. Like for most people, it's just going to be like the one. Like it's just going to be from Hashem. Like it's it's literally it's going to be like, like your, your, yours yours meant, meant to be soulmates. You and this person. Like maybe you can't just build a relationship out of you know nothing or 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 just a little bit like it used to have been done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think attraction yeah, is... Definitely. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say a quick point that I don't think that um, attraction is logical. So even though we could question about, okay, do you have this? Will you have this in common? Will you have that in common? At the end of the day, attraction is not um, a choice. So you just feel attracted to certain people and you don't feel attracted to other people. And so it could be temperament. You could It could be anything that you could try to explain logically. But at the end of the day, it's there's always going to be an element of I can't of I can't quite explain exactly what it is when you're trying to explain why, you know, like why you feel attracted to someone. It's just like it just feels I just like them. You're right. Hundred <coughs> percent. Yeah. No, I yeah. It's coming from a deeper place. It's not. It's not really physical. People tend to <laughs> blend attraction with something that's physical, but it's a really deep connection, almost as if you know, you've met that person before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Amen. And, uh, just last, the last topic I wanted to get to on these culture shockers, um, Pesach, Pesach, just Pesach. Forget it. The vacation part, Pesach in general, you know? Yeah. Like this is by the way, Pesach, you know, I grew up, I grew up out of town. All right. And what everyone did in my neighborhood was, most people went to their uh, siblings or their in-laws or their par- their parents, as the base Yaakov girls say, the parents. So mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of people went away. So being out of town, like we went to, we my parents would book a, a Pesach program. You know, I remember how it used to be, you know, uh, Gefilka fish and, uh, you know, Bubby and Zadie everywhere. Like, that's how it used to be. Now it, it is insane. Now, if people want to see what a Pesach program's like, they can follow Sarah. No, I'm kidding. I'm putting on the spot. But they can, they, they know where to find. They know where to find. You know, watch, watch that movie, uh, Sodom. <laughs> but like that's, so it, Pesach programs, like, are defining. They're defining now. They, do, they can define people mm-hmm. the way people want to live, you know. That is such yeah. a culture shocker. I mean, besides the fact of, like, food. You know, people, there's different foods you could eat. Svartik Ashkenazi. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you've been to these programs, right? Yeah, I have been to one of the one really high end Pesach program as a working camp counselor when I was single. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so I definitely got a great deal, great great end of the deal. Yeah, um, it was insanely luxurious, like something that I have not been used to before. Because for me, Pesach with my family is only with family. And for Moroccans, it's only with family. So, um, just because we value family and it's not going to be done, you know, in a, in a hotel or in a program where there's other families, it's very much focused on going around the table, sharing our personal experiences and interpretations on the Agada. It's a much more personal experience. Do I appreciate going to hotels? Yeah, I think it's really, really awesome. Programs are really great. Um, one aspect of programs that reveal a little too much is that they reveal the 
status of people financially or or misrepresent because a lot of people spend money they don't even have on yeah. these to go on these programs and that could be very misleading yeah i yeah i know every every year i get to like pay something I'm like should i stop paying rent move back to my parents house and just you know afford this one week of luxury like should i do yeah. this like i want to party with you know i like we used to go with my family and it was like it was affordable and it was fun and it was nice it was very i think it was very it's in a way or at least just you know content uh it wasn't like how it is today and like you know no judgment i get it i know jews want to mm-hmm. party you know i know jews want to party just partying together yeah. is just a lot for me at least <laughs> yeah and of course there's different ones that have different you know energies and different levels but there's definitely some that are like extreme today that are borderline you don't really feel peso. yeah that, uh, that I'm okay with. We don't need to feel Pesach. <laughs> we don't need to feel Pesach. We just need to, like, uh, like I need to, like, be eating something, and it's totally made from matzah or some chemical, and I'm like, oh, this is bread, and I'm good. And potato I'm like, flour. Potato flour. Oh. This, this thing, like, I grew up, it's not even fair. Like, I grew up, and we had uh, macaroons. I grew up in the Altaheim, like, macaroons and, like, and like cardboard matzah, and, and now they have all these delicious things. It's just not fair. You know? Yeah, I can relate. You know, right? I'm so I don't even know what 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 do they have? Uh, matzah well, croissants over there in France and Paris. Yeah. Well, let me just preface by saying that the way um, Chabad people keep Pesach is next level. If you want to hear about a culture soccer. <laughs> Tell Here me, it tell is. me. I'm, I was considering dating a Chabad girl, but now you got to tell me. I'm Go Brooks, like, yeah. I, I must tell you. Okay, first of all, <laughs> everybody has their own levels of lenient and stringent, but people peel their vegetables. It's cost. Menhag Chabad to peel their vegetables before Pesach even starts. <sighs> so yeah, because the peel is considered chametz because they may have come into contact with oh the pesticides God. that were in the store that were sprayed. And That's they were crazy. so stringent. Like, they're so, so tense about it. But you know what? You definitely feel Pesach. And they, yeah, you feel it. They, make the, they make the best food. Like, no joke. The, the food is, is truly plant-based. It's truly wholesome. They don't need anything manufactured besides for the grape juice. And some people even make their own grape juice. Oh it's crazy. It's, it's just, it's, it's the biggest culture. For me, that was the biggest <coughs> culture shock. I went to a Chabad. Uh, but my, thank God, my husband doesn't do that. I'm I, saying like there's definitely different levels. I ate at a Chabad family for one of the meals in Pesach this past year, and everybody got their own little bag of matzahs to start the meal with. Yep. Oh, is you know that why? Thing? For Gabrux, you right? know why? Yeah, Gabrux. If the matzah touches falls into like the plate, and the plate had a drop of a, a dip in it or water, it's not even Gabrux. Gabrux is considered chamei for. For, for Chabad. This so is like considered treif. It's considered chamech. <laughs> just like Chal Yisrael is considered treif. You know? Oh my gosh. Chal by the way, oh, just jumping to that, OUD is like the biggest no-no. Like someone could literally be sleeping around a girl wearing jeans, not seeing but she'll keep Chal Yisrael. Like yeah. there's certain things in certain cultures that are you just unbreakable. Like a big no-no, yeah. Mm-hmm. A big no-no. Yeah, it's in so my funny. in my in my uh, in my young Israel life, it's it's cutting uh, in line and and kiddush, cutting the kiddush line. <laughs> if you do that, 
You are done. Oh, well, you're a kaifer. Oh, you're well, a mamzer. You're a bigot. They, they out, out, out. Uh, it would be funny. Imagine I came to that show not knowing that and just casually, you know. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. They would. They would. You know that you were. You're out. That's it. You know, like. Wow. <laughs> say, d- I d- definitely d- want to try that. D- there's, there's just <laughs> the family of the Shalah who I don't know when he lived the 1700s, 1800s. He, he, he was one of the rabbis that held that turkey was not kosher so oh, yeah, yeah. He, he has descendants that are not religious whatsoever but they know that family tradition is we don't eat turkey so they'll eat ham but they won't eat turkey and they were discussing at one time the whether birds should be fleshigs or parv yeah that was a discussion when did they when did they uh, announce like when did they that was that? in the gemara's time there were some rabbis in the gemara <laughs> held it was Parv and somehow that it was Raviosi Aglili or something held out it was Parv. <coughs> That's interesting. And his community that. thought it was Parv, but everyone else thought it was meat. So they went with flesh. Yeah. They're yeah. like flesh. They're like, we have to support butchers, so we're going to make it flesh. <laughs> yeah, filling enough of a protein, it's got to be flesh. Yeah, that's yeah. Basically, it's a, it's a pretty good rule actually. Okay, I think we're pretty much wrapped up. Um, anything anyone else wanted to bring? Here's our la- we we have we call this part our last moments. Anyone? That's it. You got to speak now. Forever hold your truth. Crickets, crickets. I think we're good. I think we covered a lot. No, we did. Well, I'm so excited, um, and I'm so I'm so happy that we could ha- you know have everyone here. So we'll get to our closing in just a second. Are you on shirk date burnout, getting some anxiety, or just need someone to talk to about all those DMs and WhatsApps? Ahuva Shandelman is a licensed psychotherapist and the founder of Holy Shid. She treats clients with care, empathy, and a ton of shit. Ahuva can be reached anywhere as she treats clients virtually and is also based in Rockland County for office hours. She can be contacted if you're interested via email, ahuvashandleman at gmail.com or DM her on Insta at holy two underscores shit. IJ and Avery love her. You will too. A great time to shout out your store, Michal. Style and trend, please shop it. Yes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, today's episode has been sponsored by <laughs> Style and Trend out in Lakewood, New Jersey. Right. They have some of the most top women's fashion trends, styles. Get your tops, get your bottoms, get IJ your gets hats. his tops there. What else? <laughs> shoes. They no, 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 accessories. Beanies, we got jewelry. Okay, they sell, all the they fashionable sell, Instagram all the brands. Fashionable. That you mention see nobody brands. talks to them and get a discount. Yes, mention, exactly. Ten percent off. Okay, we 10. should do that for real. 10. Yeah. NTS ten we'll for ten percent off. That's NTS ten. Hashtag. Tell, tell, tell Michal, Avery, IJ, and Tommy sent you. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people, um, this has been another episode of the Nobody Talks Shidduchim podcast. We're so happy this episode to host Sarah, the Hasidic hipster. Sarah, where can people find you? Um, you know, for some of our audience, uh, several thousand people, some, some of them don't know where to find you. Where should they uh, find you at? People can find me on Instagram at Hasidic Hipster Girl. That's just H A S S I D I C. A lot of people make the mistake. 
do the CH. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. We th- thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Malcolm, welcome back to the show. Avery, uh, Avery's already sleeping over there. Um, but people, 74 culture shockers with Hasidic hipster. Um, this has been a pleasure as usual. Um, as I usually end off, happy face, smiley face, silly face. This is the Nobody Talk Shidduchim podcast. Alchi's Media Network.